Hey, what's up, everybody? This is AW, or AW13. I'm the general manager of the Outer Banks Aviators here in the PBE. This is my new podcast series. Uh, the premise for this podcast series is uh, sort of one that I've wanted to do for a while, but I've just kind of never really gotten around to seriously doing it. The idea is more of a freelance sort of uh, chat about PBE, what's on my head, uh, about the league and things like that, uh, all from my car while I'm driving uh, to and from work in traffic. Uh, I live in, or at least outside of Atlanta, Georgia, and uh, one thing Atlanta is known for, uh, as well as many big cities are, is having pretty bad traffic. So instead of, you know, sitting around in silence or listening to music or listening to podcasts, which I also do, uh, I decided maybe one of these times I can just uh, create some sort of podcast myself to talk about things. So that's what I'm doing here. Hopefully it'll be pretty interesting. Uh, like I said, it's going to be kind of informal, kind of just uh, coming from my head. I don't have prepared notes or anything like that. I uh, usually do memorize some stuff pretty well in terms of just stuff that I'm involved with. So we'll see. Um, but yeah, mostly we'll be talking about uh, the, the aviators, uh, but also talk about the league in general as well. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, the first episode here, I wanted to just kind of start talking about the aviators from last season and then talk about sort of our off season and then uh, get into a little bit of the season preview. I know it, it started, but uh, it's not going too much differently than I thought it would start. So we can kind of just continue from there. Uh, but yeah, last season, um, like the season before, the Aviators were the number one team in the regular season uh, in terms of record, um, finishing, I believe, one or two games ahead of New Orleans. Um, so that was pretty cool. Um, uh, that was two straight seasons that uh, we had the number one record. And um, unfortunately, with this one as well, we did not go anywhere in the playoffs. That's something you always want to accomplish, and nobody's going to really care about the regular season banners. I always joke that we're going to hang them in our stadium. Just, you know, it is a cool accomplishment, at least. Uh, whether it counts for anything or not, it doesn't matter too much. But, uh, yeah, we finished, I believe, 70, 75 or 76 wins uh, after finishing with about 73 the season before. So we still did improve, and it was the Outer Banks uh, Aviators single-season win and winning percentage record. So that was pretty cool as well. Uh, and then, unfortunately, we ran into uh, really unfortunate sim, sim luck uh, in the playoffs, we faced a Boise team that was like eight games below 500, and uh, we got swept. So one thing I will get into here is sort of awards. And uh, we actually had every single one of our pitchers receive an award vote for pitcher of the year. Every one of our starting pitchers received a vote for uh, pitcher of the year. Now, when you're throwing out you know, three of those pitchers, you expect to win at least a game, especially when we had the number one offense in our whole conference, I believe, uh, other than power. Uh, we pretty much had the first ranking in almost every single statistic. Now, when you go up against a team that's below 500, did not perform too, too well in their respective division, you would think that's pretty much a lock, but unfortunately OOTP likes to do a thing where it will like the underdog and give them a win, which I think is what happened there. Um, I don't think, I think, or I do think 
if you run that series 100 times, Outer Banks probably comes out ahead in at least 80 of them. So really unfortunate, but uh, we'll move on and, and try and fight for a third consecutive uh, regular season title and then hope for some more uh, playoff success. So that season ended, and uh, we got some recognition for for uh, for the season just from some of our players. We also received uh, the award for Legends League or Conference, however you want to say it, uh, General Managers of the Year, um, which was really cool. Uh, personally, this was my third ever, uh, second in a row with Outer Banks, uh, along with Razor, my co-GM, uh, and I had one before when I was general manager of Utah. So not many people can say they have three GM awards in this league, so it is pretty cool. Um, I appreciate anyone who, who did vote for us, and uh, uh, I think we did deserve it based on, on what we did in the regular season, which is mostly what that award, mostly what, or pretty much all of what the awards count towards is who performed the best in the regular season. Something that we have not had a problem with so far in the last couple of years. Um, we did have, like I had mentioned earlier, we had every single one of our starting pitchers get votes for pitcher of the year. We finished second in MVP with Dub City, who Led the league in batting average, which was really cool to see. Uh, he really uh, he changed his archetype uh, before the season, uh, came up with a really great build, and then uh, proceeded to hit almost 350, breaking the all-time single-season record of batting average for Outer Banks, as well as finishing, I believe, third, second or third all-time in WAR in a season, and first in hits. Um, he didn't do it with power, but he got on base every chance he could and uh, stole a lot of bases as well in the process. So that was awesome. Uh, unfortunately, uh, uh, unfortunately, Stan Antonio is still on steroids, apparently, and uh, picked up the award. Um, they let in war and I believe on base and slugging percentage, so that usually will uh, help them get the award. Even though the slots did have a down season, San Antonio was still a, a cut above the rest. Um, reliever of the year, we also finishes, finished second with uh, Jose43 finishing second to Matty Paul. Uh, I personally believed that uh, this could go either way. I voted for Jose43 because I thought it could go either way, and um, where it's a toss-up, I would usually give give my player a vote. I know that probably sounds bad, but uh, I, I like to go by the statistics first, and if it's close, then I may throw some homerism in it, and uh, that's kind of what happened there. Um, but uh, Paul had a tremendous season as well, uh, I believe he finished first in, in K's for nine among the relievers and uh, uh, was up there in war as well. But I believe Jose 43 had a better ERA, whip, and I want to say he had a better war as well, which I know relievers is not like a super big statistic to use. But uh, yeah, there was a lot of crucial categories that I saw that I think uh, Jose 43 was better than Paul in. And uh, it was just kind of a matter of how you looked at it. But uh, it was a close race, and our guy finished second. But uh, that's still still awesome. We'll still get him a lot of uh, award shares, uh, which is something that's running in the back end. Uh, then again, we finished with some Gold Glove and Silver Slugger awards as well. Dub City took home the Silver Slugger award for third baseman, which uh, makes sense given he was second in MVP voting. And then I believe, um, let's see, 
left field, uh, our inactive left fielder, Hunter Geist, I believe, took home the Silver Slugger as well. And I'm not sure exactly um, if Mike Litteris got any... I don't know if he got the Silver Slugger. I feel like he got Silver Slugger or Gold Glove. I'm not 100% sure. Um, but one of those sounds right, and I'm not sure exactly which one. Like I said, I don't have my notes or anything in front of me, so I can't look it up really quickly. But um, he hit almost 300 with, uh, I believe, 50-plus stolen bases So in right field. And I don't know of any other right fielders that had a tremendous season. So I'm going to go with Silver Slugger. Uh, but he also had like a five-point-something zone rating in right field. So um, could have been Gold Glove as well. Uh, but I do not believe he won both. But yeah, that was really cool. And then Gold Glove, we had um, Tyler Swift, our center fielder, uh, take home the award his third, and uh, I believe he was one of the only 100 range center fielders out there, so uh, he was definitely a cut above the rest uh, as that award was being voted on, and I don't think, in terms of zone rating, I don't think it was very close. So that one's pretty easy, pretty unanimous in terms of our gold glove. Uh, I don't believe we had any other awards I know we finished within the top three of a, in a few spaces, uh, like DH with Cosberg and Cannon. Uh, and I think that was it. Dan Halen, I think, maybe got some Silver Slugger votes as well. Uh, so that was our awards. Uh, really cool. We, we still got a lot. Um, coming off a season where we had our first ever GM Award, Pitcher of the Year Award, Reliever of the Year Award, we still were able to pick up some and get a lot of votes in other categories as well. And even though we didn't win, we still uh, we still had a lot of rep representation, at least in the uh, silver and bronze spots as well. So now we move on to more of the off-season and uh, what happened with that. So going into the offseason, one of our biggest issues, as well as one that a lot of teams were having, and are still having, is the cap only had, the cap only went up to 2 million from the previous season from 114, uh, soft cap to 116, and then the hard cap's just 10 million more at uh, 126. So the decisions had to come down to um, how much of a cap penalty do we, want, do we want to take? Do we want to take a cap penalty? How are we going to fit our whole team in um, under the cap and, and do things like that? So uh, initially we had made an offer to re-sign our, our stud reliever, Jose 43. And uh, I know one of the teams going in, uh, Jose 43 was pretty much set on coming back to Outer Banks. Uh, but one of the teams going in that he said that he would have to consider if he got an offer from was New Orleans. And um, generally to me, when I hear something like that, if someone wants an offer from someone, they're probably going to go there. Um, even if they had an enjoyable experience, uh, in Outer Banks, which I know Van did, um, Jose 43's user, uh, I think he definitely enjoyed his time in Outer Banks. But when I hear that, uh, you know, I might have to consider New Orleans if they offer, that's pretty much a telltale sign that uh, if New Orleans offers, I'm going to go there. Uh, that's what I've seen in the past, at least. I know uh, Outer Banks had a similar situation with uh, uh, Laser and Grant Iridian. I know he had said, uh, I need to get a, a dynamite offer to leave or I'm coming or I'm coming back. Something like that. I don't remember exactly. I wasn't the GM at the time. 
uh, but New York offered him uh, offered him a, a chance to compete uh, for a championship and uh, had a good money offer as well. So uh, similar situation. Uh, Hosey 43 moved on to New Orleans. Uh, in terms of the loss, it's definitely a loss in her locker room, as well as on the field, as well as he's been, you know, he won reliever of the year for us in uh, season 24. And then uh, season 25, the expansion season, he uh, finished second place in reliever of the year voting. So obviously tremendous on-field value and uh, off-field value as well as Vance. Definitely a great user in this league. Definitely wants to see the best and most out of his player as well. Uh, so would have loved to keep him around. Uh, unfortunately, that didn't happen. Uh, Cap-wise, it was pretty uh, pretty good for us. Uh, to sign him, we were going to have to probably go almost to the max uh, penalty tier that we could get to, uh, which... You know, we were fine doing. We're in a state right now where we're competing. We want to win championships. Uh, first round draft picks, second round draft picks are great, but uh, uh, championships and wins is what we're looking for right now. So uh, we would have made that. We would have made that sacrifice anytime, uh, but uh, we didn't have to in the end. So that's. That's at least a bit of a bit of a good thing to come from a bad thing, I guess. And uh, we also had interest in re-signing another one of our relievers, both Sig Ripper and Jay Dortled. And uh, unfortunately, we were kind of late in re-signing because if we did re-sign Jose 43, we actually would not have any cap space to sign Sig Ripper. Um, and while we did want to keep both of them, we we sort of prioritized keeping the guy who was uh, more of in line with how we were competitively. Um, guy coming off, you know, reliever of the year, second in reliever of the year. Um, and guy that can be a sh true shutdown guy still, even as a season 13 guy. Um, so we went for him first and then hoped for Sig Ripper to still be around to be able to... Uh, Resign with us, and unfortunately, uh, unfortunately, uh, he decided to go on to Nashville as well. Apparently, he didn't wasn't aware of being a free agent until uh, getting some offers here. So that's probably uh, me dropping the ball a little bit, um, just trying to uh, get our team secured up and everything like that. But uh, we wish them both both well in their, their new spots. So the bullpen was really the only spot of need after after that. Um, we we, uh, we still had a lot of guys to be able to go. Uh, some good innings for our bullpen. We still had Farron Ben Cotton or Farah Ben Cotton or Farron. I think it's Farron Ben Cotton. Is that's how you pronounce it? And uh, we saw him. He was regressing, but uh, still has, you know, 100 stuff, max control. Uh, his movement's a little down now, but uh, still a really effective reliever for us. And then uh, we also had Flame McDonald, who was coming off uh, two good seasons, one where he finished second, like, by a vote in Rookie of the Year. And then... And then uh, we decided that we need to take one of our starters and make them a full-time reliever. So fortunately for us, um, uh, Domingo Pozo, or Traffic, decided that they would be okay going reliever. And so we kind of crafted that, that build to uh, give them a really good control freak relief build uh, to kind of keep within... Uh, what Pozo wanted to be, but also help uh, help us by being one of the more dominant relievers. And so we definitely appreciate her for uh, being willing to switch to the bullpen, being that uh, 
being that new guy at the end of our bullpen uh, with Pozo there. Uh, then it came down to what did we want to do next with the bullpen. We, we had a couple thoughts of where we wanted to go. Um, I know one bullpen guy that was out on the free agent market, Danny Wynn. Uh, we definitely had our eyes set on him at the get-go, um, but he signed with the but he was asking for a lot of money at first, and we weren't sure what we were going to do cap-wise. And uh, if we did sign him, we'd probably go to the max cap hit, uh, which would really be, uh, which would really be tough for us. Um, we were, we're, we really liked him, but uh, he went on to the Crabs, so he'll uh, he'll do good things there. I think he's doing he's off to a pretty good start with that, and then. Um, Uh, what do I want to say? Then there was not any, not a ton of options out there. Um, so we decided to sign, you know, a guy that had been not super active in the league in general, uh, still had some TPE to him, um, and someone that I know well just because he's my GM in the ISFL with Honolulu, as well as someone I know serving on the board of directors with in the EFL. Um, we reached out to Sid, whose player is Ian the Igloo, who's a starting pitcher, uh, flamethrower starting pitcher. And uh, we're, you know, I said, uh, do you want to come play, play for the Aviators? And he was like, well, I was going to recreate, but if you, if, if I'm needed, then, then I'll come play. So we have him in our bullpen. We also wanted to kind of get a filler guy, so we brought back uh, 500 or 100, uh, 180 TPE pitcher, uh, Johnny Unitas. He was actually pretty good for us when we had him a couple seasons ago. I believe he had an ERA around three. Uh, his war was negative, but so he probably got just got lucky. Uh, but uh, we were lucky that he got lucky. And then uh, we were going to roll into the season with with that setup, having Pozo as our kind of main guy uh, with Flame and Ben Cotton, or Ben Caden, however you want to say it, uh, kind of just shadowing as well, kind of getting those same kind of big innings. So we kind of have that three-headed monster just like we've had before with uh, Jose43, Ben Caden, and McDonald. Uh, but now we just kind of just threw Pozo in the place of 43. So we'll see how that goes. Um, but that's what we were going to roll with. Uh, I decided to take a look on the market to see what kind of relievers were out there that I could get for maybe maybe somewhat uh, cheap contract-wise and uh, pick-wise. So we acquired Hunter Sky from the Maui Makos for a third-round pick. And uh, I think that's going to be really awesome for us. He has a solid flamethrower relief build and um, he can kind of be that fourth guy in the bullpen, uh, really get some quality innings for us without us feeling like we need to uh, expend our other guys in the bullpen. So I think it's going to be a really good, uh, really good spot for Sky to come into uh, before he was kind of a middle relief sort of setup guy for Maui, who is more of a uh, rebuilding team. Now he gets to come in, eat some innings for a contending team in the Aviators. Uh, as he continues to grow, I think he's still a season 21 guy. And so he's still got a lot of room to grow, uh, and he gets a chance to do it on the, on the Aviators. And I might be wrong with the season 21. He might be season 23. I'm not 100% sure, but season 21 feels a little, little off, maybe. I'm not sure. But yeah, we're super happy to have Sky. Uh, he hasn't joined our Discord, so if you are hearing this, uh, feel reach out to me in Discord so you can join in with us and uh, join our team. So yeah. We were feeling a lot better, at least I was feeling a lot better about our bullpen heading into it. Um, 
after getting Sky. So we have a six-man bullpen now, which uh, a lot of teams are running five-man or four-man even. And uh, we're running six. We are really mostly using our main four guys, but uh, we won't ever have a problem of potentially getting um, or having position players pitch or whatnot and, and all that. So we got guys that can eat up innings, uh, whether it be the end of the game, the middle of the game, or you know, if one of our starters does, is, has an off day, we can have some guys that uh, just eat some innings there in some uh, uh, not very high leverage baseball. So yeah, we brought back pretty much the same offense that we had the previous year. We had some guys regress, but then we have most of the team that's uh, still getting better, hasn't, hasn't regressed yet. Uh, our, our MVP, Dub City, still uh, season 19, still kicking. Uh, as well as our new guy, Arno Drakenberg, who we acquired last season. Uh, he's also a season 19 guy, right around the same TPE as Dub City, and uh, is going to be making the transition to left field for us, as well as transitioning to a similar streak build as Dub City. So we have some really guy really good guys that can get on base, steal some bases for us, uh, and hopefully hit around that 300 mark uh, again. And then we uh, bring back Mike Litteris. Uh, pause for uh, to be PG. <laughs> we bring him back at the top of our lineup. Uh, a little bit regressed, but similar build. So he still should be around that 300 mark get on base a lot, steal a lot of bases. That'll be awesome. We got Dan Dan Halen coming back still. Uh, also a little regressed, but still uh, one of the best defensive catchers in the game. Uh, had one of the best catcher ERAs in the game last season and uh, was just dominant in general. Bring it back, Klaus Bergen-Cannon, who's a season 18, not yet regressing. He's our number one TPE guy on the team now. I uh, just looked that up today. Uh, with like 1690, who's uh, ahead of me by 43 TPE, something like that. So uh, I had held on hope that I might be the number one TPE guy for one more season before guys like Dub or Drakenberg uh, take over, but uh, Bergen Cannon gets that rank right now. So in addition to Bergen Cannon, uh, like I said, we bring back Dub City. We bring back Drakenberg. We also bring back Hunter Geist, who we were able to keep the same build on, even through regression, just because we took some of his defense out uh, and made or And Klausberg and Cannon, Muford was willing to play some defense for us. Uh, he's got a BMOC, Big Man on Campus build, and uh, not going to be asked to do too much but uh, any kind of defense there would be great, and he's got the height to do it, which Geist did not at uh, 5'10". Along with that, we bring back our killer middle infield, our future, our, yeah, I mean, I could just leave it at that as our future with Linus Riverboat and Tex Walker, uh, poised to be one of the best middle infielders in, middle infields in the league. Um, Riverboat already has a couple all-star game appearances to his name, which is pretty, pretty awesome pun intended, uh, for, for him, uh, still being a season 22 player, I believe, which, um, usually it takes a while to be a all-star caliber player an all-star, ca all-star caliber player. Uh, but uh, he's only a, I want to say, what is it, four seasons, three or four seasons in, and he already has a couple all-star appearances to his name. That's pretty pretty incredible. Uh, Tex Walker, uh, Ems has been awesome as well. Uh, unfortunately, they, they didn't have 
as great as a rookie season as they wanted to, but uh, hit on almost all of their goals besides the war goal, which hopefully will uh, improve this season. Uh, after the first sim, they're hitting over 300, so I, I told her that she needs to keep it right there. Uh, and we'll see uh, the uh, former M minor league MVP uh, if they can get it going here for us this season. And then um, and then we bring back Tyler Swift as well, who uh, is a do-it-all do-it-all kind of center fielder, defensive focused that defensive focused mainly, and uh, can really uh, bring some speed on the base paths as well. Get some hits, get some hits, to, uh, get some shots to the gap, uh, and get some uh, doubles and triples uh, right ahead of guys like Riverboat and, and Walker to drive them in, and then uh, bring us back to the top of the order. So yeah, we bring back uh, a great offense. We bring back, or we kind of form a new sort of bullpen for us, which I think is going to be really awesome. Uh, still even after losing 43. And then uh, we bring back pretty much the same rotation, except we take uh, a guy like Ray's Funk, who was playing in the bullpen the last couple of years, and we get to move him to uh, the starting rotation, back to the starting rotation, where he can be a, a good strikeout guy. Our park really fits, fits well now more with uh, his build than it did before, uh, where guys or at least left-handed hitters, were able to kind of just tee off of everybody. Uh, now we, we have more of a balanced park, more of a, uh, a flamethrower, control freak, you know, lower movement, friendly park uh, with uh, less home runs given up, which is, uh, I think, really going to help Funk as he gets back into the bullpen. And then we have Beaumont, who's moving up in the rotation to number three. Uh, finished like 15 and two last season, which was pretty crazy. He set out a goal of 20 wins this season, so I'm really hoping he gets that. I told him uh, 21 wins, so he can break the all-time record. So we'll try to get him there. Uh, I think we have the offense to do it, and Beaumont certainly has the skill to. After going 15 and two last season and getting a vote for pitcher of the year, then we bring back Justin Ripspod, who, uh, despite regression, still looks like one of the top pitchers in the league which is going to be awesome. Uh, he kind of had a breakthrough season for us last year after having um, not bad seasons, but probably not up to his standard. Uh, the previous couple uh, finishing around a four ERA last season finished below four with a three point something and finished second in pitcher of the year, uh, which I didn't mention before, but I will now uh, rip spot second pitcher of the year. Also pretty awesome. And then we have the former, former pitcher of, of the year, Walker Cato, my player. Uh, struggled a little bit more last season. Did get some pitcher of the year votes. Um, but he's kind of just the guy to go out there, get some outs. Uh, control freak guy. Not going to strike out a ton of guys, but uh, won't walk a lot of guys either. And then uh, fits within our park. Well, also not giving up a ton of home runs, at least at home. So, um, and then Cato, my player, also is our number one pitcher in terms of TPE uh, and is still one of the highest TPE starting pitchers in the PBE as well, I believe. So we definitely have that going for us. We still have one of the strongest rotations in the PBE. We have a strong bullpen and one of the top offenses. <clears throat> one of the top offenses as well in the PBE. So I believe right now we sit at least 3,000 ahead of the next highest team in the Legends Conference or Division, so we should be able to uh, uh, at least hopefully grab another number one seed in our conference and then hopefully just run into a better scenario than we did last season uh, against Boise and uh if not, I don't think we're going to fall much lower than second in our conference. Uh, and I would be surprised if we did. So we'll see. Maybe it will take getting second to have some more playoff success. I obviously want every win that we can. 
and I don't want to. I don't want New York to finish ahead of us. So we'll see. Uh, I think it's going to be a great season. We're five and one, starting off already with a sweep of Buffalo, and a two-one series win over the Sloths. And then I believe we play New York and Seattle coming up here. So the New York series will be kind of a good series to get a gauge on at least where we are and where they are. I don't know if it's a home or a away game, uh, but usually when we play away in New York, they get the better of us just because they rely on their park factors a little more than we do. Uh, we rely on better players. Um, whether you think that's a shot or not, uh, you can take that uh, how you want. But uh, obviously the teams with the more extreme park factors are going to hear about the park factors and how their team is based. Um, but yeah, we should be able to come out of that, come out of the New York versus and then Seattle series looking pretty good. I'm hoping that we can grab all the wins we can, uh, but we'll see. And then uh, we'll go from there. But I think we can – I don't know if we will uh, best our record from last season. We do we do have some changes. Did have a lot of regression as our team's a bit older – on the older side. But I do expect that we still will hit that 70 win mark uh, or above. I believe the uh, over-under line was set at 70.5 for us. I do think – that is a good line because I could not tell you if we were going to be under or over it. My initial thought would be that we were going to finish with about 70 even. So I would maybe take the under just because I think we would finish at 70, but I wouldn't also, I would also not be surprised to finish, see us finish with around 75 as well. So I think we're right in that range. Uh, New York, I think will finish with around 60 to 65. And then I think the other uh, teams in the Legends West, whether it be Boise, San Antonio, or Vancouver, will finish around 60 to 65 wins as well, um, just based on pretty much my initial thoughts. I, I don't think two of them will finish with 60 to 65. I believe it will be just whoever wins that conference will finish with that much. Uh, and then the rest will finish somewhere between 55 to 60 or 50 to 55, second and third place, respectively. Um, as far as the Crabs go, I know they did a lot to try and improve their roster. They're still, um, if you look at their roster, while they do have some great pieces like Daring and Long uh, and Philly Fan, and uh, they got someone else I can't remember off the top of my head. The, they added some some tremendous pieces, but they still, uh, I believe their their rotation and their bullpen is just not not there yet. Uh, especially having to trade a guy like Leo Robert away, I think uh, I think uh, he's significantly significantly better than a guy like Dasani Voss, who's just uh, young and not ready yet. So I don't think the Crabs are going to make much noise. I think they finish with around 45 to 50 wins, but I could see them winning as much as like 55 and at least challenging for a playoff spot. I do think they finish better than Buffalo, but I do not think they finish better than uh, the Sloths, Boise, or Vancouver, and I do think they finish better than the Makos. So if I were to predict the Legends Conference, I would probably say... Outer Banks first, New York second, and then I have the Sloths as third. I didn't realize how young their lineup was. I I don't have a lot of faith in that lineup, but their rotation I think is the best in the in the Legends West and could compete for the best rotation in the whole conference uh, with us. And I think New York has a really good one as well. Uh, with Choate still going, Seabart, uh, newly minted Max Miller, and uh, and uh, Tokiyami, Fokiyami, something like that. Uh, I do think the bull the bullpens will have a big thing. I think the Sloths probably have the best bullpen out of them all. Uh, obviously, the Raptors have Matty Paul, but I don't see too much alongside them. Um, they're hoping on a big year from Bill Bisquick, who's 
very much uh, regressed these days. So we'll see how that goes. I think the slots with uh, guys like George, Dugan, um, and the other guy uh, definitely have a bullpen, uh, probably the best bullpen in the Legends West. And then, uh, and then uh, a team like the Voyagers, I, switching Miller, Miller to starter really hurts their bullpen. I think we saw in a couple games on stream in the first one, they, they kind of did have some struggles in the middle innings. So other than Whole Horse, who will be the horse for them in their bullpen, um, I think they will struggle a lot there. Um, and then in terms of the next team, I think it's I think it's pretty wide open. Um, I think uh, between Boise, Vancouver, and Providence, you could have any of those teams coming coming up and. Uh, pushing for a playoff spot. I think I had Vancouver finishing second in the Legends West. Um, I don't know why. I just kind of have that feeling. I think I don't the, I don't know if Boise necessarily got better from last season where they finished uh, like 50 and 58, and I think that's a uh, passable line for either of the teams. So I would probably say, if I were to guess right now, I would say the playoff teams in the Legends would be Outer Banks, New York, San Antonio, and Vancouver. But again, I could see Vancouver being replaced by Boise or by um, Providence. However, I do think Providence having to play New York and Outer Banks more will hurt them a little too much. And then... Um, if we go on to the Champions Champions Conference, might as well do that to finish up our podcast today. Uh, the Champions East is pretty much a, you know, we already knew this was going to be a slugfest. It's just kind of put names in a hat and see who's going to win. I have been a Nashville doubter for for a bit here now after the offseason. I think they did lose... Uh, some talent there. I don't, they still have a really good team, but uh, just something on paper doesn't feel like they are the best team in that conference this year. Um, I have Detroit winning it. I think Detroit uh, has really put it all together. I, I do still have doubts about their bullpen potentially, and uh, Detroit's offense has never really been great but I think they do take a step here in their rotation with uh, guys like Vaughn and Mitchell. I think really uh, take them take them over the hump there and getting a guy like Scott Poe as well will help that offense. Then second, I believe I had Sarasota in the champions, um, which uh, Hummus would be happy to hear. I don't know if... On paper, Sarasota looks really good. Their bullpen outside of Tristan Lang looks really bad. Um, but he is the reigning reliever and pitcher of the year, so obviously he can handle a lot. So we'll see how that goes there. Uh, I'm not 100% confident in their bullpen, uh, but their rotation with... Uh, Guys like Torkelton and uh, their new uh, newly acquired Frederick Urquidez Garcia. I think they uh, they have a really good rotation and they may not need to rely on the bullpen uh, other than in some Austin Bentley starts, of course. So I had them second, I believe, and then third I had Indianapolis I don't think Indianapolis has ever had a great offense I still don't think they do obviously their defense is among the best in the league uh, but their rotation as well has I believe taken a step back they lost daring we're trading them away uh, and I believe they're going with kind of a unique setup with uh, Michael Dion and um, one of their other younger guys in there as well, but 
I don't believe they're pitching very long into the game so that they can use their bullpen more. Uh, with the guy like you need to calm down and uh, Eric Bolanos at the back of their bullpen kind of eating up innings for them. So they're an interesting team. Obviously, the defense is there. I don't see the offense being there, and I don't see the rotation being there. Uh, obviously, the casino had them at large underdogs to win the division, and I don't see it. I did put some money on them to hopefully win. Uh, to get a big payout like most people did, but I do not see it, uh, especially with the caliber of opponents they have to face in their division. And then I got Nashville last. I can see Nashville going anywhere from last to first, like you can with any of the teams in this division. However, I do think Nashville, for some reason, at least to me on paper, just does not seem like a team that's going to win. I don't know why. The team is pretty much the same. And I don't, I can't remember if they lost someone or not. Um, like I said, I don't have that in front of me. Uh, I just remember something telling me that Nashville was just not going to be as good. Uh, obviously, I could be very wrong, but I'm going to pick Nashville as my fourth place team in that division for now, just because I think, I think they are in the middle of every everything there. They have, uh, in terms of with the rest of the division, I think they have uh, a rotation that's maybe not as strong as Detroit's, maybe not as strong as Sarasota's, but that's debatable. Uh, bullpen's probably probably up there, but I wouldn't say is super strong. Uh, I know they did acquire Sig Ripper, uh, but he's still a young player. And then uh, McFlorida Man as well has been good for them but I think they'd still have some issues in their bullpen. And then their offense, I don't know if they're as good as Sarasota's would be, uh, but I do think they are better than uh, Indianapolis's and then probably on par with Detroit. So we'll see in that division. Um, I think Nashville does have a pretty significant advantage in their park factors, so they could win a lot of home games, and maybe that pushes them over the top. Uh, but we'll see. We'll see there because I think other teams have more of balance in that division, uh, while Indianapolis is a little favored to the left, which could hurt Nashville in away games at Indianapolis. Uh, but we'll see. And then I think the easiest division to predict, to predict, uh, other than maybe the three-four, is the cha the champions West which uh, is obviously going to be New Orleans. They're the number one TPE team right now uh, in the entire league, uh, surpassing Outer Banks with the signing of Jose 43, uh, taking him from us and adding it to them. Uh, New Orleans is obviously the number one team. Uh, they had a lot of contract manipulation to get to this point, so good on them. And then the rest of the division is just not strong at all. So they'll be able to feast on that division and pick up a lot of wins. Second place is definitely the Death Valley Scorpions. While the team did sell off some pieces, they still have a lot of good pieces there. Still have a strong rotation. Uh, their defense, uh, their recent management decisions have gone away from defense. And I think that's hurt them uh, go from one of the best teams to one of the poor poorer defensive teams and one of the teams that kind of took a big fall. Um, I think that's been a big focus on why they've fallen is just a lack of focus on defense. Uh, so I think they'll struggle there still. Uh, their pitchers are good, but I don't think they have anyone behind them to help them out. So we'll see. Uh, but they are clearly better than the other two teams in the division. I believe I have Cancun third. Uh, I know they're actively trying to tank, but, uh, but uh, you never know what can happen. I think their team, they do have a legitimate ace potential pitcher with Leo Robert, and then they do have some good pieces around them as well. Um, and I believe they, they are setting up a pretty good defense also, which can win games. And then I have Seattle fourth. Uh, Seattle is an interesting team. They're not, I wouldn't say they're actively trying to tank because they're a new team, but passively trying to tank as I had, uh, I believe I said earlier somewhere, um, 
new teams are, are not actively trying to tank. They're more passively trying to tank. So that's uh, that's what I have for the predictions there. I think in the overall scheme, in the champions, I think you have three coming out of the east and then New Orleans coming out of the west. You have New Orleans, New Orleans as the number one seed, and then you have uh, Detroit as the two, Sarasota as the three, and Indianapolis as the four. But like I said, I can see Nashville making it over any of the teams in the champions. I don't see them passing Detroit. I think Detroit is the best team in that division. But as in terms of uh, the others, I can see Sarasota also challenging for that as well. So I would say there's a clear top three with New Orleans, with Detroit, with Sarasota. And then four is probably between Nashville and Indianapolis. Uh, and then we'll see whether defense or offense, which I think Indianapolis versus Nashville would be a good comparison there. I would think uh, uh, we'll see if defense or offense takes the cake there. Uh, on paper, Nashville probably does it, but just for some reason, I feel like Indianapolis will sneak in. But yeah, that's about it that I wanted to talk about today. Uh, kind of just give a little overview of what this will be. Give a little bit of uh, Outer Bank stuff as well as some league stuff with our predictions and everything like that. So I'll take a listen to this, get it uploaded, and uh, move on from there. And then next week, probably around Thursday or something, I will record the next one and uh, talk about how we're doing so far this season. Maybe talk about a little about future plans, plans with uh, my player, Walker Cato, uh, just random things like that. So... If you did listen, thanks for listening. Hope you got some enjoyment out of this, at least hearing uh, my opinions on the league, uh, my opinions, and, and just talking about Outer Banks in general. Um, and if not, you know, don't listen next week. It's okay. Uh, I won't feel bad. Uh, but thanks for listening. Uh, this, is, this has been AW, and uh, have a great day.